community every Friday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 94.1 FM, where we'll serve you the red pill with love. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of sight ah this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw again. Yes, here I am back again. Okay, fine. Today is August 29th, 2017. I've been gone a while. Been gone so long that I have too much on my plate. I'm just, uh, oh, just full of it. Uh, let's see. Stuff from Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham Jail. That's the classic about the line between law and justice. Uh, you know, nonviolent protest. We <laughs> have to review our notes. Send them. Send them to the folks in the street. Uh, uh, check out this week's New Yorker magazine. The editor, David Remnick, does a nice spin on the, <laughs> the uncivil behavior of DJ Trump. Uh, yes, the date of that issue, 28 August, 28 August, right here it is. Here's what he says. David Remnick, editor of the New Yorker, says, This is... The inescapable fact. On November 9th, the United States elected a dishonest, inept, unbalanced, and immoral human being as its president and commander-in-chief. <laughs> and he goes on to talk about the... <laughs> no use appealing to decency, unity, moderation, or fact. Okay. Willing to imperil civil peace and the social fabric and simply to satisfy his narcissism. And okay, fine. Okay, fine. And excite the worst inclinations of his core followers. Now, that's it. That's it. That's it. Obviously, he is encouraging some folks to behave even worse than they might have before he arrived. Now, this choice of a narcissistic sociopath is every feminist nightmare. Uh, never mind. Check it out. Same old, same old. There's also in the New Yorker 
uh, current New Yorker, a sharp review of the work of Fred Cruz. Frederick Cruz, he's an emeritus professor from UC Berkeley. His attempts to deconstruct Sigmund Freud, yes, many years he's put in many books, just as I thought, uh, can't be done, you can't really get rid of him, can't, uh, can't bury Freud, he's not altogether, <laughs> uh, what is it, lost to us, he's certainly, certainly still, still there, now what you want to do with him, that's different, uh, it may be that Freud, Sigmund Freud, was a bad scientist, but he's still a poet of the mind, you know, check it out. He uh, made an impression that will not go away. The article is by Louis Menand, M-E-N-A-N-D. Uh, the article is called The Stone Guest. It's in the 28th August issue. Check it out. Check it out. Yes. Ah, uh, now, me, I just want to go back to the early days. Uh, back and back and back uh, to the time... When there was feminist consciousness raising, I have a little play, a monologue. Uh, it's something that helped me to think about or to work out this ongoing war between life and death about the ancient myths that stay with me, of course. My favorite myth back in the day was all about Lilith. <laughs> Uh, that's the woman who got away, the other Eve, the first Eve. She predates the biblical Eve. I like to put her in a bar. I put her in a, a seedy bar. Well, not so seedy. Actually, I first performed this little sketch at the Bacchanal Bar in Berkeley long ago. It's a little bar on Solano. Aha. Uh-huh. I like to set Lilith in this world of anger and violence because she's certainly jaded by now. She's certainly a familiar woman, a woman who has gone through the mill, so to speak. She is what we call a woman with attitude. Ah, I'm going to jump right into this because I want to be sure... uh, to be sure I can try to finish it today. It's called The Legend. The Legend of Lil. It is a legend of the scholars. Uh, the Hebrew scholars know all about Lil, uh, Lilith. Uh, from the legend, we read this, the Hebrew legend. In the beginning, male and female created he them. God formed Lilith, the first woman, just as he he had formed Adam from pure dust. Adam and Lilith never found peace together because Lilith contested Adam's claim to be supreme. They were created simultaneously from the same dust, she reasoned, and were, therefore, equal. 
when he asserted he was to be her master, she insisted there was no justification for his supremacy. When he wished to lie with her, she took offense at having to lie beneath him. Adam tried to force her obedience. Rather than accept subjugation, Lilith chose to leave Adam and live alone by the Red Sea. She found peace there, on the hard rock sand, lining the deep blue gulf of Aqaba, making love with satyrs, minotaurs, <laughs> and centaurs. Hmm. This is the body of the work, the legend of Lil, which I used as a performance piece in the uh, local bars. <laughs> it's a one-woman monologue. The actress or actor is seated on a bar stool or at a table in a cafe. Uh, that might be better these days. Uh, first performance of this piece, yes, was done at the Bacchanal in Albany. I think the Bacchanal is in Albany, right at the edge of Berkeley. Long ago, back in the day, as we say, Lilith speaks. Once upon a time in Sumeria, then again in Judea, <laughs> last week in California, my eye was blacked by the media. All of the girls are trouble if it comes to that. Ishtar, Sarah, Isis, Eve, Eurydice, if you like, Helen, too, if you come to think about it, which I don't, if I can help it. They call me Lil, the Lilith of legend and song. I'm the discard daughter of a dream. A blueprint nailed to a drawing board. A pencil sketch on the blotter. I'm the gal who got away. Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face, tired her head, and looked out at a window. Well, it's a rather long story, mister. Yes, as a matter of fact, I often do come to this bar. I am, you might say, an habitué, yes. That's Rachel there, by the wall. She hasn't been able to find work since the children died. Little bit heavy on the booze and barbiturates. <laughs> yes, honey, a lot of my friends hang out in here, but... <laughs> I'd rather talk about me, wouldn't you? Man that is born of woman is a few days... And full of trouble. <laughs> An archaic Arab stole me from the cradle of my mother. My mother, Isis. He kept me a concubine in the houses ruled by men. But it came to pass, I learned to swim. And as I grew, the Red Sea parted. And the slaves got through. We milked the honey and promised the land to build those rooms of our own. You're taking notes, mister? You know your own history, do you? You know the old prick who wrote my lines? 
He was sore as hell when I took off, as you might well guess. <laughs> Shook his fist across the waves as he stood on the shore. <laughs> his old testament clutched in his hand. Get thee to a wastebasket, hollered the voice of Scripture. I stood on the far shore, in that place where the pagan virgin makes her altar by the sea. A stuffy old stereotype screamed across the water. I'll demythologize you and your mother too. I waved bye-bye while the old man wept. As cross as his boss, that old Yahweh, he folded his tents and crept away, told his tribe I'd run off with a racial inferior. And then as time went by and his well ran dry, as they say, he turned philosopher and wrote me off, historically. Dry up the seas, he decreed. Woman, woman must not swim. Yes, an ancient phallocrat wrote my book, set down my sins on silly scrolls that wash ashore and litter the beach of each new age. As dead as the sea that turns to desert, extinct as the ethos the sky king sings, as dead as these is the heart of the patriarch. Myself, uh, I don't read much antique Arab anyway. I did learn some French, if you're interested. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? We'll see. Let's have another drink on me. I've come a long way since the Yahweh days. <laughs> My African face is cleft at the rift. The scars are deep. Worldwide, that was in the war, of course, when the Amazons fought for their homes. Then, in after years, in the Norse saga, I tended the fires or took the veil till Elfland called and the telltale trolls took me down to the deeps. The evil eye of medieval mind looked out across the fjord. They called me profane. I swam beneath the ice that time, had to trek across the tundra in uncured, stinking furs. Escaped by the skin of my teeth once more. In each, each new tribe, I saw maids as slaves. From caves to castles, the courtesans cut the meat. Mothers accepted 
defeat. So I've always lived on the edge of town or the outlaw end of which alley. Now, nowadays, my sister Eve, she lives over the store. She's still Adam's wife. Far as I know, the keys to the kingdom hang from her girdle. The old man wrote her in as an afterthought, a rewrite, in response to my reviews. Eve of the evening, apple of Adam's ancient eye. She waits for her warrior, wallows in fate, lives but in her lord, this masochist mate. His hemorrhaged heart is not aware. His little, his little scapegoat gores him there. Even a rib may learn to dance. She never told on him. Never will, you see. Woman, woman has died of her compassion for man. It isn't God, yes, it's woman who has died of compassion. When Adam told on her, she let it pass. Boys will be men, she said. And the father God agreed. <laughs> man mad most days. She runs to martyr, to mom, falls in the straw and bleeds the world new. Blondes are born to bitterness and birth. I was born to swim. My children sprang from the holes in my head. Demons who dance on the sand, they stone me and fight and swear by my name. So I slip away at the end of each day to practice black arts, as the boys in the back room would say. Oh, sure, mister. Rye whiskey for thee. Blood wine for me. Of course, I'm not a sexist. I'm a champagne socialist. Well, at least where men are concerned. Now, make me an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> ah, a literal, clitoral man, I see. Anatomy is what you know. <laughs> but of the tree, of the knowledge... Of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. <laughs> to my place? But it's a hut plastered with posters and beatnik debris, wallpapered with moth-eaten memorized lies. It keeps out the weather until there's a wind. It's my own, I guess. I mean, I made it up. It's my womb room, think tomb of Pandora's box in the erogenous zone. There is a pussy cat there. Clothes for the hangers, incense and spice, everything nice and sluts wool under the bed. Candy, candles, 
and a morass of post-symbolist prose. There's a frog and a fish and a murderous merman or two in the chest with the chains is the brass ring, tarnished and green as the day I wore it. There's a musk in the mattress, mint in the jar, and quite a bit more in the drawer. There's a light that's just right, and a child-proof lock on the door. Lilith, Lilith moves to an altar. She wraps herself in a long red cape. And the lighting, the lighting goes dark, dark red. And now we hear the incantation of Lilith alone, alone at midnight before the altar of Ishtar. Holy Mother, receive your daughter Receive us all. Daughters of time, write my name in the sand. Woman alone in this land, write my name. In the name of the mother, write the name that dares not speak its love. Walk the shore. Where the ships sink with weight of the drowning. Swim home through the urban foam. Through the night seas, sinister streets. Sea wolves prowl and the feet of the poet run red, bled on the coral. Just beneath the surface of things. This is it. This is the night we took the long day's journey into. This is the long, dark night of souls. Write Lilith in the sand and Lilith in ash. Write Lilith in her mother's blood. Adam has read the name of her, that which he loved before the gift of Eve. Written in stone by crones unknown is the legend of Lil. And that light in her eye. Look to the light in the eye of Lilith. There, there you will find it. There is the face of your mother before she was born. That's the end of the Legend of Lil, one of my, one of my strange efforts to look back into the dark and see who we are and where we came from. Maybe, maybe a glimpse 
of where we're going. Uh, let there be light, boys and girls. Yes, let there be. Let there be light. I have just one minute to read you something fun. Or something fun. Uh, yes, I, I hope I do have time. It's right in the back of this. The same old New Yorker, um, the one that uh, talks about Freud and uh, what is it? The holes in his head. Uh, mm, Freud. A great poet, no matter what you think. Anyway, uh, once upon a time, he came to England in 1939. And uh, he was 82, suffering from cancer of the jaw. And he sat down to have a conversation with Virginia Woolf and her husband, Leonard Woolf. <laughs> he was sitting there in a great library with little statues at a large, scrupulously tidy, shiny table. Now, Virginia wrote in her diary, quote, A screwed-up, shrunk, very old man with a monkey's light eyes, paralyzed spasmodic movements, Inarticulate, but alert. Formal and courteous in an old-fashioned way. He presented her with a narcissus. Gotcha, a narcissus to a poet. My goodness, of course. Anyway, the wolves were not easily impressed. Uh, <laughs> Virginia coolly noted in the diary. Uh, let's see, she wrote, uh, <laughs> All refugees are like gulls with their beaks out for possible crumbs. That's cold. In his autobiography many years later, Leonard Wolfe remembered that Freud had given him a feeling that, uh, Leonard said, Only a very few people whom I have met gave me a feeling of great gentleness, and behind the gentleness, great strength, a formidable man. Freud died in that house on September 23rd, 1939, three weeks after the start of the Second World War. And you will remember that in 1941, Virginia Woolf decided to commit suicide, drowned herself in the river there. Uh, she was waiting for the um, <laughs> the German invasion. She didn't want to face it. Uh, she had a, what is it, a garage, backyard, something full of uh, <laughs> something to burn the place down with. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, Hitler and Stalin, between them, they drove psychoanalysis out of Europe. But the movement reconstituted itself in two places where its practitioners were welcomed. London and New York. <laughs> and gee whiz, folks, been here ever since. Fascinating stuff. Uh, oh, people who never read a word of Freud talk confidently about superego, Oedipus complex, penis envy. <laughs> Freud was recruited to the anti-utopian politics 
of the 1950s. Yes. <laughs> Lionel Trilling's book, Freud and the Crisis of Our Culture. The Mind of a Moralist, Freud. Okay. This is wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Uh, check it out. Uh, the Freudian Century. That's what they call it, yes. 1950s. I think of Sylvia Plath, her little book, The Bell Jar. All those of us women who had a uh, crisis in the 1950s. And Freud's work has come to serve as an authentic symbol of our consciousness and the quality of our deepest experience. Anyway, this has been Jennifer Stone. I will be back on the air this next Tuesday at the same time. And uh, we will talk about the, <laughs> the literary side, maybe, of Sigmund Freud. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. two decades of frontline action for the wild buffalo the buffalo field campaign roadshow is coming to the bay area on september 29th co-founder mike meese will bring engaging stories and films from the field with music by flutist mignon gelly and special guests 7 p.m at the unitarian fellowship hall 1924 cedar street in berkeley Volunteers from around the world spend every day, sunrise to sunset, monitoring and documenting threats to the buffalo, running patrols on skis and snowshoes to defend buffalo in their traditional habitat. This event benefits the Buffalo Field Campaign. Wheelchair accessible. That's Friday, September 29th, 510-548-3113 for info. We hope to see you there.